Welcome to Home Health 360, a podcast presented by Eliacare. I'm your host, Jeff Howell, and this is the show about learning from the best in home health care from around the globe. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Home Health 360, where we speak with leaders in home care and home health from across the globe. Today, I've got Adrian Shower, the CEO of Care, and we're looking ahead to 2023 and beyond, and we're talking today about predictions for home care and home health. Adrian, thanks for taking the time today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jeff. So at the Care Better Outcomes Conference, you declared war on repetitive tasks, and uh, your first prediction is that this will finally be the year that agencies actually finally are able to win the war on repetitive tasks. So what do you mean by that? Yeah, well, I think this is a good news and a bad news story at the same time. On the bad news side of the, side of the ledger is that uh, margin compression has become such an issue for providers of in-home care that they have no choice but to tackle the overhead costs in their business. Now, the good news is that tools have arrived to uh, finally enable that. And if I illustrate a few examples, so uh, you know, our point of view here at Ally Care is that you want your people in the head office doing only the tasks that involve building a relationship or exercising real discretion and making decisions. And when you look at what's happening in the back office of the, the typical home care or home health agency today, you have a lot of clicking that doesn't involve either of those two things. And so we have tools like Alaya Connector and some advanced uh, AI and optimization tools that, for example, can take the clicks out of offering out open shifts. So when there's a call off, typically a coordinator will go through, will find um, potential replacements for those, uh, those visits, and will go and either offer them out or assign them directly. And uh, we know that can be auto- automated away. We've got great case studies about it. Another example would be more on the clinical side. And if you look at uh, what a you know a typical clinical supervisor would do, they're often trying to keep an eye on you know 50, 60, 70 uh, client records at a time with a big stream of incoming uh, structured data, but also narrative notes. And so it's very hard to stay on top of that. Uh, but we have natural language processing tools that can uh, automatically read all those notes and flag ones that might indicate some patient risk that, uh, that, that the supervisor should dig into. So those are a couple of examples. Um, I look at some of, the, uh, some of the work we've done with some of our larger customers, and there are millions and millions of dollars worth of overhead cost that we can uh, automate away by looking at those repetitive tasks, figuring out where uh, the machine can replace some of the things the humans are doing where, again, there's no real relationship being built or leveraged and no true decisions being made. So from a framework standpoint, really identifying those $10 an hour tasks and the $100 an hour tasks and then figuring out uh, what you can get the machine to do. Um, the, the natural language processing, my understanding is that it's really scanning unstructured uh, progress notes and nursing notes. And I presume that the agencies come up with some kind of a scoring system so that if an aide types in that um, a client has a swollen foot or, or a rash, that the agency is categorizing those specific words. And then the system is 
scanning through and then the scores get created in real time onto a dashboard. Is that right? Yeah, mostly correct, except that uh, we don't rely on the individual home care agency to train the model. Uh, We've trained those models across, uh, you know, millions of interventions that have happened. And so the, the, the model's been trained on all that data and then surfaces for the individual agencies um, notes that uh, that we you know we think require some oversight. Um, you know there there are false positives for sure, but uh, compared to the ocean of information, uh, otherwise one would have to sift through. Uh, it's a real time saver and also helps with patient outcomes. So that's um, that's great news because uh, my understanding is that machine learning just takes such a mountain of data to actually learn that it's really not scalable for an individual uh, customer to do that themselves, but really uh, leveraging the aggregate of the industry. Exactly. And Aliacare is really standing on the shoulder of giants here. There's been uh, unbelievable progress in, uh, in natural languaging language processing and you hear about uh you know chat gpt which is the successor to gpt3 and uh you know now the ai you know is are passing touring tests they can really uh chat with you um in a way that's relatively indistinguishable from uh from a human so we're not uh, we're not there yet uh, in terms of how that will come into the uh the care world but the capabilities just keep racing ahead yeah Okay, prediction number two, um, you see a world of simplified operations to become part of care delivery, and uh, you have a unique outlook on uh, referrals and subcontractor markets. Give us some insight into that. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, one of the things we've noticed really in all the markets in which we operate is that you know these sustained years of labor shortages have meant that uh, home care providers just have had to get creative in terms of how they try and bring together uh, supply and demand. And uh, we see more and more providers using subcontractors uh, to pick up parts of care that they can't service with their own staff. And uh, whereas that's a good news story on the one hand, uh, because you get get greater collaboration in the market, uh, it can also lead to lots of inefficiencies relative to what you get when you're, uh, you're dispatching your own staff to a given case. So listeners would have probably heard me talk about Alaya Market previously. Uh, so we're leveraging that technology, not just to put together new agency or agencies who want to collaborate in a marketplace, uh, but also to help automate uh, the subcontracting that's already happening in their business. And so uh, anything we can do to better connect providers with other providers, to better connect the providers with the clients, uh, and with the um, uh, the caregivers, it was a real opportunity for improvement. And if I want to just highlight two other features we have in addition to Alaya Market, uh, so many of our clients use our our client and family portal, which now can be deployed as a native mobile app, and they're combining that with the secure chat within the product to really allow more asynchronous communication between the clients and their families the caregivers, and the coordinators at, uh, at HQ. So there's some real advances there. That's great. Now, I uh, recorded an episode with Navon, and, and uh, James and Alan had let me know that um, the demand for home health aids right now is currently at 3 or 4 million, and that's going to be about 7 million in 2025. So prediction number three is that uh, you believe that agencies will offer more growth opportunities and continuous learning. 
this industry will not solve its labor problems by each individual agency getting better at recruitment and retention. Obviously, that's a competitive advantage, but unless we find a way to grow the labor pool, we're never going to meet the, the demand of our aging societies. So I think there are two aspects. There's bringing new people into the caregiving profession and making sure they're skilled up in as low touch a way as possible. And then the second aspect is taking people already in the profession and moving them up uh, into higher and higher skilled uh, type roles. And so the trajectory of someone who enters the industry, maybe as a, as a personal care worker or home health aide, and then work their way up um, into LPN, RN uh, type skill levels, you know, won't be for everybody, but uh, there's a real potential there to, to upskill uh, the labor force. And, you know, as you, as you say, yes, there's a big shortage of supply on the uh, personal care side, but the same is true on the skilled side as well. So I think we really as an industry have to take this seriously and figure out how we can not only bring people in the, into the profession, the caregiving profession, but then upskill them over time. Yeah. And in that uh, recording, I was really shocked to find out that the Department of Health really only, um, you know, brought online training as a mainstay in 2017. And if you look at it from that perspective, you know, it really just is, uh, it's such an immature industry relative to how long we've had connectivity. And um, from that standpoint, you know, when I was speaking with, uh, with Nivon, they were talking about, you know, the explosion of uh, doing training in uh, the mother tongue of caregivers. And as we all know, there's a lot of immigrant uh, caregivers. And they had a really interesting new legacy of care mentorship program that they're seeing early success with on a, an 89% retention rate, where it's this uh, formalized mentorship program. Because uh, as you know, the uh, caregivers tend to leave agencies during this early period where they, they haven't had their hours ramped up. And they haven't had the love ramped up either, right? So they just hire, they get hired, uh, they feel a little isolated, they're not getting the shifts and the, uh, the office does a poor job of um, connecting with them and staying in touch with them. Yeah, that, that first 30, 60, 90 days uh, of new employment is, is absolutely the risk period. So I think that's, uh, uh, that's a great program. And you know, I congratulate Navon, they're, uh, they're really doing great things in the industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and Care Academy has been doing some uh, programs around uh, upskilling home health aides to be able to take uh, courses uh, with them as part of their regular curriculum to, to move up to be a, a CNA as well. So that's um, some pretty interesting things that they're up to. Yeah, absolutely. And if you look at what the difference between a job and a career is often that ladder of opportunity. And so the more as an industry, we can uh, help create those ladders of opportunity for people who enter the profession, you know, the more this is going to be a, a domain that people want to build their careers. All right. Prediction number four, agencies will break convention and seek new funding sources. Absolutely. So there are many flavors around this prediction. And uh, as our listeners know, Care operates um, you know, in all parts of the US and Canada in Australia and the Middle East, New Zealand, a little bit in Asia. And so we see lots of different models and lots of different funding sources. What I will say as a, as a general trend is that most of the public funding, the reimbursement rates are not keeping pace with wage inflation. So you've got a lot of pressure and it's uh, putting a lot of pressure on this sector in general, which, you know, tying back to the previous point, 
means it, it's very hard to attract people into uh, the, the in-home care profession. On the flip side, the news is full everywhere with overflowing uh, emergency rooms, you know, hospitals that are operating beyond capacity. And so the solution is absolutely to get people out of um, institutional care and back into their home. And so really what, what I would encourage you know, many of our customers to do is to say, okay, if that intermediate funder is not meeting the moment, go and speak directly with the hospitals or the health systems that are dealing with the very expensive um, downside of not being able to shift care home and start to strike individual contracts. And so that can take the flavor of hospital at home. Uh, it can take the flavor of transitions programs, which we see uh, really gaining momentum uh, in Ontario. Uh, you also have models like uh, Birdsorg, uh, which is all about community nursing and, and really empowering that care team in the community to make decisions for the benefit of clients. So there's a lot of innovation out there. And, um, you know, even some of the innovation, which is building momentum, but is yet to materialize in a meaningful way. You know, I'm thinking about the, the home care benefit and uh, Medicare Advantage plans. You know, we, we see that as building momentum. I love the uh, Bertzerg model because I feel like it addresses the the Achilles heel of home care, and that is, um, you know, everyone wants care delivered in the home, but it it poses these uh, scheduling and and route logistics challenges by having uh, care workers uh, constantly having to spend so much time on the road as opposed to uh, delivering care. Absolutely, and it, it's also very much about whole person care, right? And acknowledging that sometimes the best decisions are made closest to context. And, uh, you know, we can trust these nursing teams to really figure out what the client needs to live well in their home. And this more paternalistic model of, you know, centralized assessment and, and, and service planning uh, it has its benefits, but it also has its downsides. So, so we're real big supporters of uh, Burt's Order Care to Lie Care. All right. We're on our fifth and last prediction for 2023. Agencies will resist the commodification of our industry. What do you mean by that? So uh, I, I would almost say the re-commodification of our industry. So if you look historically, home care was largely a fee-for-service industry and mostly you got paid for an hour of care. There's been lots of innovation in reimbursement models and in how the, the market thinks about home care, you know, a shift towards different flavors of value-based reimbursement. Ultimately, what everybody wants are those patient outcomes, not hours of care. And so I see this specifically in how uh, Medicare Advantage plans are starting to contract with home health agencies, and they want to be the ones making the, the value decisions and to push the in-home care down the value chain into a fee-for-service, we'll pay you for an hour of care, as opposed to uh, an envelope or a bundle where the accountability sits with the home health agency to go and make the decisions that will lead to better patient outcomes. So I think as an industry, we know that demand greatly exceeds supply. And so though it might not feel that way on a day-in, day-out basis, we actually have power in our health systems just because of the scarcity of in-home care delivery resources. And if we act more together as an industry and say, no, we are a value-added partner 
higher up the value chain, we want to be paid to deliver a patient outcome, not just for uh, an hour of care. I think you'll see us really claim the, the, the power we should have in the care system. And ultimately, that'll lead to better experiences for our care workers and also better experiences for the clients at the end of the day. Well, Adrian, I enjoy hearing your insights every year. Don't be surprised if you may see me uh, recycle some of your content as my own on my LinkedIn feed. (laughs) (laughs) Feel free. I'll get you out of here on this. Give us a reason to be optimistic over the next year and beyond for care in the place that uh, clients call home. I think I've, I've two main sources of optimism. Number one, the world in general is coming into a tough economic cycle right now. So uh, that's going to have tough consequences in many places of the economy. But in home care, we are going to be an, um, increasingly an employer of choice. It's, it's not easy work, but it's meaningful work. And uh, there's lots of, lots of demand and we can meet the moment. So that's number one. Uh, number two is I think uh, one of the silver linings of the pandemic is that the world's really come to understand that the safest and most desirable place for care to occur is in the home. And uh, as things loosen a little bit in the, in the labor market, I think we're going to find home care really have its moment over this next decade. Yeah, I agree. And I'm excited for it. Well, thanks uh, for coming on, Adrian. It's a pleasure as always. Same here. Thank you, Jeff. Home Health 360 is presented by Care. First off, I want to thank our amazing guests and listeners. To get more episodes, you can go to aliacare.com forward slash home health 360. That's spelled home health 360 or search home health 360 on any of your favorite podcasting platforms. The easiest way to stay up to date on our new shows is to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We also have a newsletter you can sign up for on aliacare.com forward slash homehealth360 to get alerts for new shows and more valuable content from Aliacare right into your inbox. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.